to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Hey guys, this is a quick intro for episode 148N, and uh, it's the one I interviewed Christina Walkinshaw, boy, about three weeks ago after returning from Europe. I haven't seen her for almost 19 years. She was sent back to Canada, and we'll talk uh, in detail during the conversation. But um, if the conversation was a little short, and and uh, if you think it wasn't interesting, it was not Christina's fault. Um, that day... When I was preparing a meal, I just completely passed out while uh, I was ready to eat my uh, lunch. So I don't know what the fuck happened. Um, so shortly after I got up, uh, prepared for the show, drove down to Malibu where she was staying and uh, did the show, but I couldn't really concentrate. So um, if it sounded weird, it was my fault. So anyway, that, and I also like to recommend a book and boy, this this book really moved me. It's called Hellbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. It's on the New York Times bestseller right now. It should be in top two or three. And you don't have to be a white person from the South. You don't have to be a white person from Midwest, uh, Southern Ohio, Eastern Kentucky, and places like that. I think if you come from <clears throat> um, any family situation with uh, problems, you know, uh, violence and addiction and uh, breakup and you don't have any sort of uh, um, institution either government or religious groups not able to help you um, this is such a remarkable book because JD grew up in Kentucky and Ohio um, very lower class background but somehow he was able to turn his uh, difficult childhood into uh, success. He went to, he joined the Marines after high school, uh, gone to Ohio State, then I believe Yale Law School. And he talked about how difficult it is for someone from his background making it. But I think I, I could relate so much with him growing up in my background, um, ethnically Korean, growing up in Japan, um, family problems and alcoholism and, you know, um, verbal put down to constant physical violence uh, to, um, you know, just emotionally. It wasn't a healthy situation. And I'm, I'm, I'm really admitting it as someone 47 years old. And I uh, just thought it was normal. But um, I, um, I really uh, admire this guy. And, and the book is fantastic. I highly recommend you guys read this thing. And... Um, you know, he does a really good job explaining the learned helplessness of the people in the part of the world and why Trump is um, much respected and beloved by those people. And I, don't, I really don't believe because they're a racist group of people. I think they're, they're um, a group of people, and I will say this uh, cheekily sometimes, but I mean this, white people have feelings too. And... Um, uh, lack of job, lack of education opportunity have uh, put these people in a, such a difficult spot that they have no choice but to support someone like Trump. And um, 
another chapter that I was really interested in when uh, JD talks about adverse childhood experience, ACE, and uh, it's a test that you could actually take, and uh, you know this trauma from a young age could uh, affect you for the rest of your life. Um, and I took the test. I, I scored eight on it. I, I guess it's really high, but um, uh, read it up on it. Read the book. Take the test. Um, it's it's um it's a really good book. You know the thing. The, there's many things that like I kind of knew and that relate to. And you know, in black communities, if you're if you're a study and do uh, try to be a smart person, they call you white. But if you're trying to be smart, uh, taking education very seriously in white communities from, you know, Appalachian area, uh, many of those kids are called sissies or faggots and things like that, you know. It's not a um, very it's not a very positive environment for many of them. And I think the only way they could get out of the situation for m many of them are either military and uh, going to college and universities. And, um, um, yeah, it just... I just didn't even think about him as a white person. This is somebody like, wow, you know, I, I could relate so much to him. So uh, it's a quick read. It's a great book. I uh, hope you guys like it. And I hope you guys enjoy my um, in interview with Christina. She's, she's fantastic. Um, check out her shows. And uh, I will talk to you guys soon. Uh, there's one more episode after this one where I talk to a couple of my Swedish friends. And after that, um, episode 149, the one I've been trying to do it, but I was just too angry to do it. And I recorded a couple of times and it just come out for like, I just came out across like a crazy person. So I think I could just calmly do that one, um, that episode, episode 149, <coughs> calmly. Um, and that's the only episode where I will be talking by myself and no guest. It's the first and last episode with no guest on it. And finally, I think it's going to happen, but episode 150, the final episode, um, and because he brought it up t twice in the last two weeks, so it looks like I hope uh, it does happen because I wanted to do it a couple years back, but I think uh, Russell Peters will be doing my last episode. And um, um, Money has never corrupted him. He's he's always been an honorable guy, and what an amazing family. And uh, his stuff, he just kept every promise he has ever made, and uh, just what a remarkable person. So please check out his new Netflix special, Almost Famous. Uh, my favorite part is the Russian part. If you see it, if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so check out his Netflix. Just check out anything. Uh, anything by Russell. He's just an amazing human being. And um, uh, please check it out. And finally, check out my uh, brother's company, Midnight Ice Cream in Seattle. And check out Rosie Tran's Out of the Box podcast. All right, guys. Thanks. And uh, talk to you guys soon. All right. Let me just jump in. Christina, I, I always butcher your last name. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> am I saying it right? Walking Shaw? Am I, yeah, man. It's yeah. right. It's walk like the action, yeah. in like the preposition, yeah. Shaw like Shawshank Redemption. Walk in Shaw. Well, it's per perfect for two things. You say redemption, not to mention your roommate's dog is amazing. Oh, yeah. Oopsies. I like that the dog's part of the podcast now. <laughs> I, I, I'm i glad to see you, but I, I was a little taken back because I remember doing tons of show in L.A. and all of a sudden you disappeared and I was really concerned because, you know, first of all, you're a... Incredible comic, 
professional, and you're always nice to everyone, <laughs> and people have nothing but good thing to say about you. But I, w- I was really sad because you you disappeared because I had a day job where you know I ed- edit porn or whatnot. And girls just disappear. But in that business, when girls disappear, <laughs> it's more frightening. I knew you're street smart and book smart. You'll be okay. But I had no idea what happened. You just, you know, certain people just disappeared, you know. It's true. And it was before Facebook. So nobody really knew that I didn't get abducted. Yeah. We did have MySpace. Um, yeah, but. Why? Well, it is a long time ago. But yeah, I was gone. I was gone for nine years. Yeah. Gone from L.A. Um, <laughs> because I was a Canadian living without status in the United States, which uh, I have now fixed, and now I have status. I have my O one, which is very <laughs> exciting. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, when you're like a 23 year old girl starting out doing stand up comedy, sometimes you're just like, well, I mean, I I didn't move to LA to become famous. I moved to LA for a guy I met in a nightclub in Las Vegas who convinced me I was his soulmate. So that's technically what really got me to. Orange County, Huntington Beach. But then I'd already been doing comedy in Ottawa. What what year was that around? 2002. Okay. So I was already doing stand-up in Ottawa for like three years. So I had like a solid 15 minutes, which is twice as much as you need in LA. And uh, when the thing with the guy didn't work out, I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm meant to be here. Maybe I'm meant to be in LA. And so I stayed here, and uh, that's how we met, and that's how I did lots of stand-up. And... uh, yeah. <laughs> then one day, obviously, you got caught at the border, as you do when you're an illegal alien. And then, uh, yeah, it was it was a good bust. Um, I, I guess, I, maybe you don't know. I'm banned from Canada. You're why do you have a DUI? It's a felony in Canada. No, so all my no. DUI friends can't come visit. So, so, it, um, I guess it really been that long. I didn't realize it's been nine years. I just remember seeing you. I think the last time I saw you was Westwood Brewing Company. Yeah, I remember. And, we see that show all the time. And you killed it. I said bye, and that was it. And and I'm literally <laughs> seeing here, first time in nine years. <laughs> I, I mean, literally walked in your place not even ten minutes ago. So we're here recording. I know. But, and uh, just as a side note, I'm really proud. Uh, last night I went to Ralph's at like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's like as a Canadian host, I would always just have like beer and wine and alcohol on hand yeah. to give guests. But here in LA, I realized how many people don't drink. So I purposely went to the store to buy pop <laughs> so that when you came over, I'd be like, hey, do you want to do you want a, pop, do you want a yeah. soda or whatever you guys say? Uh, I'm so proud that I have non-alcoholic drinks for my guests. I'm really growing up. <laughs> that nine years drink. really did me good. Thanks for the drink. And it's by the way, you, you live in a very nice area in L.A. I don't want to say what I city. know. Well, I, I live in Malibu, but not, oh, okay. by, not by virtue of hard work, just by luck and by being friends with April Macy. It's, so. it's, it's spectacular. It's you know, really the, nice. the, when I stand over there, you could see the ocean. It's a better view, actually, than It makes Russell's you want to do the dishes, right? Because you yeah. can look out the window while you do the dishes. Look at the ocean. I mean, none of your dishes will end up clean, but they'll move from <laughs> the dirty rack to the clean rack. So <laughs> I, I'm glad you're back. And make this short, I was opening for Russell Peters without a proper work <laughs> visa, whatever, and for whatever that reason. That Russell, you know he's illegal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was opening for him. In, uh, I was supposed to do Calgary, but first we were, I was supposed to open for him in Edmonton and make the story short. They took me out of lineup. They found a bunch of stuff with me that maybe I wasn't supposed to have it or something. What, are we allowed to talk about that or do you know what no, I'm talking about? No, I mean, I, okay, make, uh, people heard this story to death, but... Basically, I bring gifts to my friends because at the time I was working for that adult business. I bring DVDs for my friends, right? To give right. it out for friends for You're free. You're giving away porn to Canadian friends? Yeah, give it away. I think that's really but, nice of you. 
And but what? these are like one step prior to final product. So there's movies in a perfectly fine movie. They're movies, but doesn't have any stamps on on the top of the DVD. So it looks like a plain DVD with the movies in them. <clears throat> so. Like a pirate, so they're they they're think you're pirating. They're, oh. they're, they're, uh, it's called check disc. So before we make final product, we want to make sure everything's fine. Yeah. And if there's a problem, we we fix it. Then once everything's fixed, you make the final product. So this is like a one DVD step before the final product. But uh, the movie's been approved. But there's maybe like 50 movies per movies where uh, final uh, check disc. And you can't sell them because it doesn't have any pictures on that DVD. Right. So I brought them to give it away to a friend. Where I made mistake was, I think it was that week when Michael Jackson got in trouble again. Supposedly molesting kids or something. <laughs> so I had funny... Supposedly. Supposedly. <laughs> cough, cough. In my notebook, I had funny um, child porn titles that Michael Jackson like. So you and know, they saw your notebook. They took it through your stuff. They went through some of my sketches when they searched my stuff at the border, and I was like, "That's okay, not a wanna, very good I, sketch." I, I, I want to hear you, <laughs> you, but basically, they took Madalina for whatever reason. I'm not a white person, I guess. They found DVDs with nothing on them, and they, the first page they opened in my notebook was that page with the child porn titles. So they just combined the two, thinking, "Oh, it's a child pornographer." Oh my god! So I put like. You know, four-year-old version, kindergarten cock. Oh, my God. Wait till your father get hard. Stupid titles. <laughs> well, I guess you're lucky you only got banned from Canada and you didn't, like, get sent to jail or anything. Well, they were kind of threatening me and, like, going to see judge or whatever. And it was... At that point, they took me out of the lineup, so they have to get me for something, I think. Yeah. But you know how it is these days. Even if you're innocent, especially if you're innocent... If somebody accused you of something first, everybody just assumed that's true. So I made a quick decision. Maybe it wasn't a good idea, but I, I made a decision that I'd rather, get, I'd rather be accused of working illegally than being a child pornographer. You know what I mean? Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so if you have to pick the two, I picked the uh, list of the two evil. So they banned me for like 10 years, you know? Oh, wow. So I think, I think this might be nine to 10. I think it's 10th year, but... Um, I would have liked to see in your episode of Border Security. Do you ever watch that show? No. So it's called, right? It's all but, like, it's a reality show with people at the border. It's usually so I, like people trying to like sneak fish eggs into the country. I don't know what the big deal with fish eggs are, but your, your, your story would have been good. Well, Some guy with a whole bunch of DVDs and... They think he's a child pornographer? Child yeah. porn titles. So that, I mean, that was my biggest concern. And I used to be illegal alien in the States too, so... <laughs> I'm a U.S. citizen when I flew up there, but still, once illegal, always illegal. You know what I mean? Like, well, you, I mean, you, you know, if I could send one message out there now, because it's like, especially with the way like social media and everything, uh, everything is out there. Everybody can find everything. Like, yeah, the American government knows everything. If yeah. you lie at the border, you're fucked. As long as you don't lie at the border, you will be in good form, I think. But you can't lie. I know so many people right now that are. Uh, like, yeah, they're kind of banned from America. Yeah. Uh, you know, because they lied at the border. If you lie at the border, they're going to be like, yeah, you lied and you're out of here. Or they'll deny you entry, red flag. Well, so 
um, filled up the, the and apparently the, Canada's hard to get into too, which is exciting. Well, That's you know what? Know. What's weird? Like two years after I was banned, Russell was doing his first major show. Yeah. So I flew up, and what I find out is. You're banned, but if you if I'm willing to pay two hundred fifty dollars, I can't get a permission to go into Canada. <coughs> really? Well, I know that like so for us, it's really we can't work. Like, we have to get a whole visa. Like I didn't need to get my O one in order for me to work yeah. in America, which I have to need to like a immigration lawyer and pay all this money. But I I think that Americans can go to Canada, and yeah, you guys just pay like fifty bucks at the border, and you could go do stand up in Canada. Isn't that how it works? It's, it's it's weird because. The way they they were saying to me, like they thought it was a threat to Canadian society or something. So when he told me just come up and I'm sure you'll get in, like are you sure? You know, and I got there and they took me to different line and custom area and they said like, well if you pay two fifty, could get in. That's what it came down to. Wow, but you so, don't want to pay the two fifty? Why I I paid. I oh, paid. you did pay. Yeah, because it was Russell's major, first major show, right. so I had to go up. But but you did get in then. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you didn't because of the porn stuff. You know, this, as long as I paid, I could get in. So this so is weird. So you could be a child pornographer, but as long as you pay two hundred fifty dollars, they still let you into Canada. That's what. It, that's my understanding. Well, way to go, Canada! <laughs> way to set our <laughs> sights high. That's amazing. It's funny. I, that's really nice that you wanted to bring like porn to Canadians. When I got deported, my friends sent me <laughs> Golden Girls season three and season six on DVD, which actually is really great. <laughs> that's porn to me. That's exciting. Wait, so, uh, okay, so fill me, fill me the... I say deported, but not really deported, you know what I mean? So, uh, my understanding is that you're just flying back to Canada to visit your family or something, right? Well, here's the thing. I've been down here, and then, like, yeah, like, I went home for Christmas, went home for my high school reunion. Because, yeah. like, in the <clears throat> long haul of things, like, I didn't want to miss big moments in life because I was, like, scared to, like cross the border yeah and i knew in my heart i needed to go to toronto like i needed to establish myself in canada before i could get my papers to really live in america yeah right because it's not like i could do anything before this time around it's like well i better actually try because now i can work and i should work and so i have to constantly remind myself every day not to be lazy yeah because <laughs> it's like oh yeah christina you can actually work this time whereas last time i couldn't even really work it was all about something big happening so that I would get my papers. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. I understand. Yeah. But uh, how did it catch you? I mean... Because I crossed the border. Oh, yeah. If you cross the border, it's like... They got... Like, it's... You, yeah, you're you're going in, in and out of the country. No, but... <sighs> They're good. Let's just say they know everything. They know we're doing this podcast right now. They know. They know what we're doing. Which is good. It makes me feel safe. Especially now that I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> Well, say, so say, was it a scenario like, well, the last time you crossed this border to states, you, you came to this state, and you're now crossing this state, you've been there overstaying your dates, or how did... I don't even think at that point I'd overstayed my date, because I remember I went home from my high school reunion, maybe yeah. at the end of September, and then my next crossover was December, so it yeah. wasn't that. It was just like, they Google you, right? Yeah. And they can see you're a comedian, and they can see that you want to work in America. Yeah. So obviously, just go and get your papers. Like, it wasn't even, like, that mean at the border. It was, like, you need to go and either get your papers or right. get better proof that you live in Canada. Do you know what I mean? Because I've yeah. been spending more time in America than Canada. So, I mean, it was a good slap on the wrist. And, like, it's, it's like, I still, even though I, I have my papers now, it's like, I still have heart attacks when I go through the border. Like, nothing makes I, me no believe me, I Believe me, I understand. I, I know. Completely I might be understand. white, but I feel it too, you guys. I feel yeah. it. I'm like, oh, I don't get a diversity showcase or anything, but like, 
It's it's so nerve wracking. I, I still get nervous. I still get nervous. Like when I was in Mexico a week ago, I still get nervous. When one time, um, I was flying back from Europe, but um, the lady who was sitting next to me, we were you know you 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 just walk through the plane. You know when you get out of the gate and you make that turn down the hallway into the uh, terminal. There's two cops standing there, and oh, I told yeah. her, like, oh, my God, I bet you that's for me. And she said, you're being paranoid. Sure enough, when I got there, they said, Mr. Obashi, are you Mr. Obashi? And took, took me out of there and uh, took me to customs. And it's because what they were telling me was travel anomalies. Like, if you travel to, like, you know, one night in Switzerland, one night in, in, in Germany, and then... And the How do you get to do that? That sounds, like, awesome. <laughs> and red flag is... When you go to Middle East, I went to Turkey. Right. So the reason I picked one of those days, one days at a time, is because the planes are cheaper and it just worked out that way. Right. But they don't know that. They just think like, well, why is he only staying, staying half a day in Switzerland? Yeah. Five days in Turkey and like a half a night in, in Germany. So um, it's not going to stop me from traveling. And unlike most Americans, I, I could relate to Canadians. We're not afraid to travel, but. <clears throat> I don't want to exaggerate. It's not like PTSD, but I'm, you, I do get a little hesitant every time I have to cross the border. I know. It is. I mean, now that I'm here, it's a lot nicer. Now people will be like, oh, you're a comedian. Oh, I, uh, I brought Russell Brand into the country last week. Or sometimes they'll try to be funny or sometimes they're just business. But yeah, as long as you're illegal, the whole process of crossing the border is a lot better. Even when I went to the UK, though, yeah. I did the Glasgow Comedy Festival in 2014. And so they got me a working visa. And literally, I was like, I was kind of in disbelief because they just sent me this paper. Yeah. And they like, emailed me a sheet of paper. They're like, just print this off and show this at the border. And I was like, that works. And then I went to the border and I was like, here. And then she's like, hold on a second. And she goes into the back and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God. And then she comes out. She's like, oh, sorry. The higher powers computers were down. But then she's like, great. Enjoy your comedy festival. But even it. then I was stressed out. Because even 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 flying to another country that is English speaking, and I'm a comedian, there's still a threat that I might be working there, yeah. and not just traveling as a tourist. Like let's say I go to, I've been to Amsterdam twice. Um, but honestly, is it really that big of a threat? It's not like well, it's, it's still comedy. against the law. I know, but it's still. It's not like you're taking some working class person's job. You know, I you're, mean, it's, I'm I'm on your side with this, but technically yeah. speaking. If you yeah, don't have a visa, you shouldn't be working somewhere. I mean, most of these countries I go to, I'm literally not working. I'm barely working here, um, yeah. and I can now. <laughs> like, so ex explain to me, so like once, um, uh, did that happen when you went up or when you tried to come down? Yeah, it was uh, like after, so I went to Vancouver for Christmas. Okay. And then you go through customs to go into America in Canada. Yeah. So you, you don't even get on your flight until you've cleared customs. You're technically in America yeah. while you're still in Vancouver, Airport or yeah. Pearson and Toronto, like you're still in, you're still in Canada, but technically legally you're, you're speaking, in you're in America. Territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they said like, well, you can't get on the plane because you have to get That's this it. thing. Yeah. So yeah. that was. They got through your computer, your luggage, like like that one time that I got like the real bust. It was like they were reading my sketches, and I was like, oh my god, that's not even a funny one. Yeah. So embarrassing. But yeah, you get turned away, and then I was too embarrassed to like tell my dad that I couldn't get back into America. Yeah. So I wheeled my suitcase across the airport, and it was like, I need to fly somewhere else tonight. Yeah. And then the lady at the Alaska Airlines 
counter was like, well, man, we're flying to Seattle. We're flying to Dallas. We're flying to Vegas. And I was like, I can't fly to America. Yeah. And she was like, we only fly to America. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. So then I wheeled my suitcase over to WestJet and Air Canada. And I was just like, okay, whatever's cheaper tonight. I'm flying to Toronto or Montreal. And then I'm just going to get a one-way flight. And I did. I got a one-way flight to Montreal. And then I sat in the white spot and had a burger, a legendary burger, yeah. some Nat Bailey Pale Ales. And I cried yeah. by myself yeah. under a TV that was showing a Canuck game that they were actually winning. Yeah. And I just weeped. And then two airport employees came over and drank with me and they cheered me up and they were yeah. great. And then I started my new life in Toronto a few days later because I couldn't live in Montreal because my mom says they sucks. What, so how long did it take before you actually told your family what happened? Cause that I, oh, that, I just kept lying at that point. I was getting good at it. I was like, oh, I just like two weeks later, I was like, oh, I just decided to move to Toronto. <laughs> I just did. I just was like, oh, I have to move to Toronto. I get my career off the ground here before I can get my papers to yeah. really live in L.A. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't tell them for two weeks, but then obviously it kind of was obvious. It would be like, I, in MySpace, I wasn't updating it every five seconds, and we weren't, like, on our phones every five right. seconds. So you could kind of be off the grid a little better in that year, which would have been, like, 2000 and, end of 2006. It would be very difficult just disappear these days, you know? But I think this is unlike... I know. Probably, uh, do you, I feel like if I don't text somebody back, they probably do think I'm dead. Or yeah. if I don't update my Facebook every day, they're probably like, is she okay? <laughs> That's sad. So you had, a, obviously, room, maybe even a car down in L.A.? I had everything. My very kind friends were nice enough to pack up my life and put it in my car. Yeah. My friend Martine packed me a, a box, sent it to me COD. Yeah. I paid $80 Canadian when I was really broke. Yeah. Um, and I opened up this box, and he sent, like... All these sundresses and open toed high heels. Meanwhile, yeah. it's Toronto. It's like negative 18, blizzard, snow. Sorry, I'm talking Celsius there. Yeah. But I was like, oh my God, I couldn't even wear anything. And then, yeah, I shipped my car back to my dad. It was like, it was a really emotional time when you just like can't go back to your life. Luckily, I had saved, I had a little stash of cash because I was like, this day is eventually coming. Yeah. Like, I can't live down here forever like this so I did uh, I had a stash of cash for my roommates for my rent for January and I took that Mary uh, and then just got rid of my room subletted all my stuff obviously I didn't care about my furniture I was just like move somebody else in there yeah. move on I'll move on you move on I got my Golden Girls uh, DVDs in the yeah. mail from <laughs> my nice friend Tim Sullivan and uh, that was it <laughs> So, well, um, I started my life in Toronto. And, and, and what was that like? It, was, it wasn't like starting over, was it? I mean, um, you know, I had a couple of friends because I, I started comedy in Ottawa. Yeah. So, but it was like, it was weird. It was like I was new, but I had a weird, creepy story. Like, oh, she just got kicked out of America and now she's stuck here in Canada. And I'd already been working for Yuck Yucks prior to moving to. Huntington Beach for that yeah. guy. So then I was really lucky that I just got to go in and start working right away as a comic. And obviously at that point, it was like, oh, yeah, you can actually make money doing stand-up. Which Canada, in L.A., yeah. you really don't. Um, yeah, so it, it was nice, you know, just getting on the road and working and actually being able to get a serving job, like all these things. Like, sure. You know, being able to work again and use my social security number. 
It was it was good. It was everything happened for the best. And then I you know I got a lot of success in Canada. I got to I did my half hour comedy special. Did just for laughs. I did a taping at just for laughs with Broad City. Yeah. Did the Winnipeg Comedy Festival. I got nominated for comedy awards. I did CBC's Debaters. Like I got to do so much stuff that like then when I actually applied for my papers, it was like oh yeah, you're really a comedian. You're actually you know. So. Was it was that an easy process applying for a visa to here? I don't think it's easy, and I'm not an, an administrative person. I don't like doing anything like that. Like yeah. I mean, I'm really lucky that like Barry Taylor at Tim at uh, Comedy Records basically like helped me get my papers because I'm just not like I'm a creative person, but I'm not I'm not a business person. So sure. Unfortunately, there's this lazy kind of oh I'm happy with life the way it is kind of right right vibe with me where I'm like I sometimes I don't try too hard so then I basically that's probably why it took me to nine years to get my papers it's just because I had, I basically waited until somebody handed them over to me <laughs> I went here you go you're going to Miami and you're recording an album and I was but like when, okay when did you start like make an effort applying and trying? I think I'm still waiting for that to happen um no I I don't know like I It's funny because I'm I'm really trying to like especially because like I just got back to LA. I feel like I'm saying like a lot. I'm not 22. Um, I I feel like I need to try harder. Like I feel like I love writing jokes and I love doing stand up. Uh, and I'm really grateful for all the stuff I've done. But like just getting to that next level. Yeah. You know all these ideas, all the stuff I'm working on, and the script in my book. Just like I really suck at disciplining myself. Do you know what I mean? Are you, you're, you're disciplined. You're here doing this podcast. I do you do a podcast every week? It's been, I've been trying to end it for like last year or so. That's my new game show. How consistent <laughs> are you? <laughs> I've been trying to end it. You've been trying to end your podcast. <laughs> this will do it. <laughs> are, you, are you the kind of comic, like sometimes you're trying to deal with your personal problems through some of the material on stage or is your material For completely sure. completely absent of your personal issues no and- I'm one of those more personal people I know what you're talking yeah. about there are two kinds of comics there's like the kind of comic that can go up there and be hilarious and you can know zero about them like the, uh, that those objective comics where I'm just going to talk about this I'm going to talk about some lady that was at a red light with salt and pepper shakers in her lap or something I, you know I, something like really weird and like they'll just talk about that and you have no idea who they are but then there's yeah. the people that are like here's my life like I slept with this guy last night and then I found his phone and then it turns out he was trying to call hookers when I came along and gave it away for free you know what I mean like I, I keep everything very personal in my stand up and were you ever in the angry phase because because I gotta tell you I, I opened and worked for David Tell for years you know I got I, to open for David just for laughs 42 in Toronto like two years ago He's one. Of, I, I don't even have to tell you that he's one of the best, and especially joke writings. Very few people are better than him. Yeah. But you know, one thing I know about Dave, which is very little, because I've known him for a long time. But yeah. if you just watch his act, you know he's a very funny guy, but you don't really know him. Right. Whereas, other end, I used to work with Jim Norton a lot. You find. You learn too much about the guy, you know. Like, he's <laughs> I so think I might be that style of comic where it's like, okay, we know Wangja doesn't shower a lot and <laughs> is scared of getting old and doesn't want to get married. Right. Being single, loves having sex. Like, I think you do. I think you know exactly who I am when I'm when I come off stage. Exactly. I I I, I think uh, you know. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen you, but that was my impression of you too. Yeah. But I think. <clears throat> 
I, I, I didn't realize what I was doing, but I think when I have my colleagues saying, why do I have to be so dark on stage, you know? And even, I just did a show with like maybe 10 days ago with Ari Shafir, and he yeah. was, even he was saying like, Jesus, it was so dark. You know, he was talking my act. About his set or your set? Mine, mine. Wow. And like even, even, even I've overheard Jim saying that too. And See, I need to see your act. I haven't seen you in like <coughs> nine years. I think the problem is, I think the, I, I mean, I should be asking you more because I want to get to know more how you do it. But I think for a long time, I was just too angry on stage and I like not taking consideration of sometimes audience don't take it very well. That I, yeah. I'm not saying you should pander to them, but you don't want to do too much too dark yeah. of a show where they get kind of exhausted by it now, you know I, I mean? had a great conversation with Augie Smith last okay. night about this and we're talking about like he, he kind of compared the comedy industry to the bank industry it's like when banks first opened up and wanted your money a long time ago they were really good at customer service they learned yes. your name they cared about you right and comedy I think like when we first started or at least for me as a comic, yeah, I'm very much about customer service. I'm like, what's going to make you happy as the right. customer? And then sometimes when you start to go in a different direction as a comic and you're thinking more about yourself than yeah. the audience and yeah. how they feel about your show, you're like, a lot of comics are getting away from the customer service part of comedy, of making sure that the audience is yeah. happy. Um, but you I, know. I think I need. He said it way better than I did, but you know, you know, paraphrasers. We. Augie's a funny well, guy, and, and, and oh, he's great. great. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess it's at a point where I, I have to balance the two things, right? Like I have to balance where I want to do my act and, and things I'm working on. Yeah. Literally, not just your act, but about personal issues, you know. Yeah. Without. Not scary. I mean, it's just like with comedy, yeah. as long as it's funny, it's comedy. Then you can do it on stage. But if you're just talking, talking, and it's getting, it's looking more like therapy or like, you know, some comics, like it's not like comedy. It's like I'm watching a TED Talks. Yeah. That's why I always call it like TED Talks comedy. I'm like, oh, they're just going to go up there and like talk and rant and there's going to be no jokes. Because I've, I've, I've gone to plenty of open mic studios, you know, and like sometimes comedian blame the audience. I don't want to be that guy or that girl, you know, because there's, there's times they don't respond because they're actually enjoying the show yeah. and they're I laughing. Like I'm pretty balanced on the inner and yeah. outer locus of control. Like, I feel like I know when it's my fault and I know when I shouldn't take it too personally. And it's just sure. You know what I mean? Or if, like, I'm in the wrong setting for comedy, too. I think that's a big part of it sometimes is just knowing. Like, I'm going to do, Toronto on Monday to do a corporate. And sometimes when you do corporates, you know that they're not there for comedy at all. And, like, this is something that's been thrown into the mix. And so you can't expect a lot of laughs. And if you get laughs, it's great. Yeah. But sometimes they're like, what? What is this? We're not in a comedy club. Why so, are you trying to make us laugh? So you're, uh, now that you've been back, is that scene any same or different to you in LA? It is. I mean, it's different. I don't like part of me kind of wishes that I went to New York because it would have been something new. I've never lived in New York before and I've always dreamed of living in New York. Yeah. And this is going to sound so stupid, but the only reason I moved to LA is because of the weather. Yeah. I've been living in Toronto for nine years. I need a couple years off winter. Toronto winters are so hard. Like the wind just pelts you in the face until you get these wind tears. Yeah. 
show up everywhere with a red face and like you're crying and like nothing's wrong with your life. You're just cold. It's, it's so I not, came back here and then part of me wants to like blow up my car and go to New York. It's, it's not a superficial reason because I've been plenty of cold places and I, I, I appreciate LA so much more when I come I back. Do. I mean, I do. Obviously, the weather is deluxe, but... But still, am I hustling right now? No. Like, and I won't say that I'm in a slump because I'm still getting work. Like, I mean, I've got a decent calendar right through till the end of November, early December. But this is all just work that's coming to me. It's not anything I'm like pursuing. Do you know what I mean? I should be pursuing stuff. I should be planting a seed every morning. But unfortunately, like, I'm not that kind of comic that's like, can I do your room? I want to do your, like, I hate asking for things. Like I, I like, and it's gonna sound so lazy. To. I want to be like, I just want to wait till somebody offers me something. I don't want to be like, please, can I? Like, I, I don't want to beg. I don't want to ask. I, I, I don't want to. Like, I guess I'm, I'm not a schmoozer. I'm a great socializer, but I mean, I could like, go out drinking with somebody who books just for laughs all night and not yeah. even bring up just for laughs. Like that's the kind of. Sometimes I'm a normal person, and I, you know. I hate to say it, but you kind of have to do that, right? I know. And maybe one day before I'm 50, uh, hopefully before I'm 40, uh, I'll get better at doing that. But right now, uh, yeah. Because you've been back, what, six, seven months? Yeah, I got back. I got here in, in like, February. And now it's September, in case anybody wants to know that timeline. So so I'm sure there's been pretty um, good encounters, right? Like, people missed you and, like, they were surprised. That's really sweet, yeah. Like I said, like... Um, sometimes I run into people that I know from a long time ago and yeah they look at me like they're, they're seeing a ghost they're like oh my god where did you go yeah and then and then there's a whole like new generation of comics obviously that don't know who I am so I'm just another new girl sure um, and what's really interesting about being gone for a long time is coming back and obviously knowing because I mean I've done just for laughs and I see you know people Moving up, it's it, it's interesting to see whose careers skyrocketed. Went up. Yeah, yeah, skyrocketed, and who's plateaued, and who is now missing. Like who's yeah. gone? Who got out of it? That, that, so that's that's interesting. What it's do you mean? um. Do you think people, comedians in LA in general, are more helpful to you, or do you, or is it more? It's better in Toronto. Um. I don't know. I feel like there's a good support system in both cities. Like, I feel like I am a nice person. And yeah. I feel like, you know, every time I do a room, I usually meet somebody. And then that leads to doing another room. Right. But the whole exercise in that is that I have to go and do that room. Like, I have to go and, like, leave my house. And sometimes I'll convince myself, oh, I'll just stay in and I'll write tonight. Yeah. And then, like, do I write, though? Like, no. And I do find that just even being in a comedy room... You know what I mean? Like you're in the back room and you're always thinking about your set and like you're always accidentally writing jokes that you would never have written unless you had gone to that comedy show. Sure. I mean, you know have you mean? been going to comedy store at all? Yeah, I've been to the comedy store a couple of times. I like to go on like Sunday nights, I like to check out that candy show that's upstairs in the belly room. Um, and then, of course, Melissa McQueen, who's like one of my best friends. She hosts a lot on uh, Saturday nights in the main room. Okay. Um I love I love the comedy store. And I actually got a show at the Improv on Wednesday, the twenty eighth, which should be good. I'm hoping that's great. Um, you know how it is in LA. It's like okay, here's a couple of like crappy show, crappy show. Oh, here's a good show. Oh, here's something that pays twenty five yeah. bucks. Like, and so, even, even if you're not on the show, if you just show up, it's just sometimes 
it's weird. Like well, sometimes even I know you don't like asking people for the show or whatnot. Yeah. And when I email people, like I, I don't hear back, so like I don't bother them. But when they see you in person, they make an effort to give you stage time. Does that I make sense? I feel like to you? you're right. I feel like seeing people in person. And they kind of have to see your face. Yeah, you really do. You have to stay. And even on social media, I hate to say that too, but you do. You have to stay present. Otherwise, people forget you. And when you're always in their face, whether it's in real life or on social media, I feel like people feel connected to you. Or they want to, you know, they'll be like, oh, she's doing all these things. I'd love to have her do my show. Right. You know, she seems to be on fire right now, you know. But there's a lot of like, sometimes I feel like I look like I'm doing better on social media than how I really feel like I'm doing. Like, I'll go back to Toronto. People are like, oh, it looks like you're killing it. I'm like, looks like. Ring <laughs> Nikki's words. Because it's like, it's great to get spots at the Lot Factory, which I do. And I'm really grateful for those. Because I did pay some dues back in the day. Yeah. And I got made a regular at the clubs like a long time ago. And then it's like reintroducing myself to these new people that work there now. Um, Were they very helpful at Lot Factory? Yeah. Like, I've been really lucky. Like, even just, you know, doing the show the first time, then... I guess they use the they email me. They're like, "Oh, can we put you on the website or whatever?" And I was like, "Yeah," even though I I know one of my friends got on the website and then she was like begging for them to take it down because the trolling situation is so bad. Yeah, like I never update YouTube. YouTube is just a troll factory as far as I'm con- like concerned. Even though I'm sure agents and managers are like, "Go get yourself a million subscribers," and I'm like, YouTube is like the last place I want to do go. I love blogging. I love writing. Writing is my safe zone. I feel like if a troll can make it through one of my 2,000 word blogs and then they want to troll, I'm like, okay, well, I'm fine with that. But I I get trolled somewhat, but uh, it's not as bad as YouTube. I mean, um, like a lot of, I get a lot of creepy people because I do talk quite openly about sex on my blog. So I get like a lot of creepy people. Well, everybody thinks that if you talk about sex, that all of a sudden that they that you they want have, to have sex the right with them. to harass you. They're like, oh, yeah. she likes sex, so she'll have sex with me. Like it's like that dumb with some of these people. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyways, but it, I feel like the trolling on my blog is like, just a, it's better than YouTube. YouTube, I I don't even want to go on there. <laughs> when that Casino Niagara thing happened to me like years ago, then all of a sudden like my YouTube page, one of my clips got like like a hundred thousand. Views, my crazy. Okay, because well, Jezebel was nice enough to actually put my clip up there. Yeah. Because when that happened to me, it was like when you when something happens to you and you go viral, it's like all of a sudden your comedy is under, like on trial. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, maybe that happened to her because she's not funny. And then they're all watching you. Wait, so I guess my experience, like they tell me, stop doing comedy or, you know, get off the stage. People tell or, you to stop doing comedy? Well, I mean, just being a jerk about it, you know, and then I, I heard that one before, you know, like, I don't know, there's all sorts of negative stuff, but yeah. I don't really take it, I've never taken it personal until it bothered my brother a couple of times, you know, that's when it kind of get to me, but, yeah. but if they're just saying directly to me, like, you know, whatever, or, you know, yeah. or, Mostly, it's like that's you're just mean to whoever I'm talking about, you yeah. know. But with you, uh, 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 understandably, it's bigger concern because you never know with these guys with women, right? I mean, it's just. Oh, I know. I mean, it is creepy and stuff. But I mean, most of my following, I feel like, are like chicks, and they're all great and supportive, yeah. and they love the story. And you know, I do. I get in trouble when I don't write, which is good because I'm. 
I haven't been blogging as powerfully as I used to. Well, I went on 50 First Dates when Tinder first came out. And that's how I kind of got a lot of heat in Toronto. And I got, like, the front cover of Now Magazine. I got Just for Last. Like, that was, like, my good year, 2014. Wait, then, what did you do? Um, I went on 50 First Dates. And I used Tinder. And I yeah. started a blog. And I literally didn't know anybody was going to read it. Like, yeah. I wrote, like, nobody was going to read it. And then everybody read it. And I don't even know how to use Tumblr, basically. And, like, and I used Tumblr. I mean, I, I really, that was a total fluke. Like, I didn't know that was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, I had 40,000 readers. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And so now I'm still trying to blog. And I'm obviously still a single female stand-up. Yeah. You know, that doesn't want to get married and doesn't want babies. But I do want to date and have safe, consensual sex. With nice people that aren't creepy. Yeah. Which is still just as much of a game as finding a perfect mate. Um, and I should be blogging more because, you know, that's that's where my nice little following is. That's my, that's my comedy womb is my blog. Yeah. And, wow, I didn't, I didn't know about uh, you getting so much uh, positive uh, impact. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> but it's always something you never predicted, right? Because even Russell was telling me that he was angry that somebody put his special 13 years ago, but that's what made him so famous, you know? Yeah, sometimes that's what it is. Somebody just like, <clears throat> you know, like, yeah, like I, uh, yeah, somebody just sends something to somewhere and you had nothing to do with it. Even that happened to Melissa recently. Yeah. Somebody sent one of her uh, impressions to Reddit just threw it up on Reddit was like oh this is really funny is this girl's doing a Sarah Silverman impression and then all of a sudden she was like oh my god she's like I just got so many hits it's you know and that's what the game is right now right like how many followers do you have how many hits does that get how many subscribers do you have I I I, I mean it's not the same thing but even in fashion business in the traditional superpower was New York City right so right. they always pick those girls they're all beautiful they look same right like yeah. 5'11 6 feet tall just skinny and beautiful but like it doesn't seem like a whole lot of personality to them but even uh, I was reading this thing in Wall Street Journal they were saying that the power have shifted to California with girls like is that Kendall Jenner the, 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 the Kardashian's youngest sister or something yeah and um Gigi Hadid, I think that she's a girl from uh, Malibu or something. These I'm a little older. I'm in like my Real Housewives years, yeah. um, but I am aware of the Kardashians. Kylie and Kendall, I believe, right? That's what yeah. you're talking about. They have, I mean, it's um, yeah, I, I, think I was they, shocked, they do. Like they 50, have like 60 so many million followers. followers or something. So even the fashion world know, know that why would you pick... I guess well, this classic beauty in the New York City that's just tall and skinny right. or you could get these girls beautiful personality but they're so well known that you get your money's worth when I you know because if they tweet something out that you should buy this then it's like you know it happens you yeah know. it's they, are, they come with a following right it's almost like a built in audience so like if somebody wanted to develop a show with you and they could see you at all these followers they're like okay we'll develop your show because you already have a following right people are just going to watch it and don't you think the last nine years there's been a sh I know it's never easy being minority and it's definitely not easier being female comic because I can't even imagine on the road the harassment with some of the guys right <laughs> but it does seem like last nine years I don't years, know why I laughed at harassment I didn't mean to I'm sorry but you awkward, you know what I mean? awkward like, stories flashing before my eyes but last nine years it seems to be a little bit of a shift uh, opportunity 
for more women, it seems like. The pendulum like, always it, swings, right? Yeah. So, yeah, like, I mean, I was definitely around for the women <laughs> are funny era, even though I never felt it at all. I knew funny women. I felt like I was a funny woman. But people were still like, why women aren't funny? And I was like, oh, oh well, like... I just keep going, keep t- keep telling my jokes, keep getting yeah. laughs. I don't know, you know, where these stories are coming from. But then, of course, now women are on fire. Right now, people love female comics. Like, yeah. it's great. Like, Amy, I guess Amy Schumer's probably one of the biggest one out there. I mean, there. yeah. Like, she's huge. She's huge right now. Like, she's she just feels like the most famous person out there right now, which is great. Like, that's a female comic. She's like... She's like us. She's like a normal girl. Like, it's great. Yes, and talking about very, very honest. And the last time I saw her, I did a show with her, David Till, Artie Lang, Bill Burr, Jim Norton, I think. And it was like... Oh, my God. This anti-social- name dropping festival is amazing. Well, <laughs> anti-social network. Well, that's the last time I saw her. But I knew at the time, like, oh, yeah, I think she's going to be huge. But, like, I, I could have never predict... No, this is huge. I mean, she's smart, right? She's a good business person, too. And she wrote that movie. And she's a good actress. That's one thing I'll say about me. And she I was- could not act. I am a writer and a stand-up. But it took me a bajillion years just to learn how to be myself on stage. And then, oh, yeah, good luck getting me to act. I would be like... <laughs> but you should give yourself... Um- you give yourself some credit and, uh, and, and give yourself an opportunity to, to, you know, take a chance and do something. Well, I think people are always like, Jerry Seinfeld couldn't act. <laughs> I'm like, no, that looked good to me. Okay, <laughs> that was fine. And and I thought I thought she was very smart to have LeBron James and John Cena, you know, like one from NBA and, and yeah. then WWE and like yeah, exactly. she's just really smart. And no, she's really smart, man. And that movie was great. It was heartfelt. I didn't expect it to be that. Like, I didn't expect to go to that movie and cry, and I did. I cried. It made you good. cry? Yeah, didn't you see it? I, I, yeah, I saw it. I, I mean, I thought it was, that was very funny. Well, I mean, <laughs> what part of that made you cry? I think Maybe. I actually cried, like, three times in that movie. Three times. What part, when she was having problem with her sister? Um, or? I can't even remember when I cried now. I think one time I cried something stupid. Obviously, with the dad stuff, there was some yeah. That, there, there was some heartfelt moments there. Yeah. But I think one time I, I think I even cried at the end of the dance. I'm just like that when I watch like yeah. movies. Like I'll probably go see Bridget Jones's baby this weekend. We'll see. I'll, I'll tweet you where I cry. Yeah, I, I cried here. I cried at the 62 minute mark. I cried. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had know. no idea it was based on a true story. Like her dad, I didn't know her dad's illness. I had no idea. Oh, yeah, no, he does. Um, yeah, that movie was well done. I think, like, as comedians, too, we're always kind of writing from our life a little bit. You sure. know what I mean? Or a lot, in my case, for sure. Like, I'm not good at writing about just objective things. Like, I can't pick a top. Like, I, everything for me that I write is so my life. That's why if, like, anybody ever stole one of my jokes, I'd be like, here's the people it's based on. Let's all come home and let's yeah. all be like, see, this really happened, this really happened, this really happened. Here's this, here's this, here's my scar. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just like, this joke's based on this person. I, I, I could, every single joke, I could back up with my life. Have you had that happen to you? Somebody stole you a joke? Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, I don't even know, but then you can't even say that people stole your joke because then there's the collective conscious and maybe, you know, it's not impossible that two people could think about that. Right. But... Or have that same experience. Because especially comics, 
you know, the funniest things are things that other people find are true. Right. So it is the experience of more than one person. You know, a great joke is the experience of a lot of people. You know, that's why, you know, airplane food, because everybody's like, airplane food, I know. But or we like all traffic. have that. Uh, we all have that. But I mean, those are feelings obviously like, Jesus, topics man. that I don't. Yeah. I don't write about. But then somebody can come along and you think like, oh, no, airplane food. That'll be hockey to write about. And then somebody can come along and like some brand new take on airplane food. Sure. And then you're laughing again. So there's really no rules with comedy. Well, it sounds like you're in a good place. I'm glad you're back. Thanks. What are you? Uh, you're working on a book, did you say? Oh, yeah. Uh, you don't have to get in detail if you know, it's a secret. It's just so. like a memoir, just like all the other books that female comics write out there. Okay. Uh, it's, I'm just going to call it the same thing as my iTunes CD because I feel like, not that that's good to have the same name, but I, I like the name and I feel like nobody's buying my iTunes album anyways. No, I'm just kidding. I, no. I hope people are. I don't know. I know it's getting played. I get sound exchange money, but uh, but yeah. No, the book's just called It's Taking a Long Time to Become Famous. Because, you know, because I... Because it is. <laughs> it's okay. Because I, I heard that Amy originally had a deal for her book for like a million bucks. I heard that too. And she dropped that and got a better deal. Obviously, she. Oh should. my God! I didn't know that. She and then the second, I don't know how you're able to drop the deal, but the, what I heard was she got a bigger and better deal with some pu other publishing. She should. I mean, she was bigger at that point. Oh, I you mean, know? her book's gonna sell. I'm gonna buy the book for sure. And I think last time I checked, it was like number one New York Times bestseller. Sure. Yeah, for sure, ma'am. She's gonna sell books. Um, I'm I'm gonna self-publish my book. I don't even care. I don't want to go through the grueling, you know, experience of you know having to go into meeting or like send my manuscript somewhere and then get rejected. I mean, I'm actually a very naturally happy person, as you know. So I must be doing something right if I can somehow stay in this business, not need drugs, and be happy. So you you're running blood blogs and the book is completely separate story from that totally different okay i still like I've, i've had people interested in making my blog a book like the 51st dates yeah and again i don't know why i never follow through with anything but yeah i started to curate those blogs to turn that into a book and i haven't really done that yet because i'm so excited to write this new fresh book um yeah just about all my other stories just of being a female comic and being from canada and all my weird stories Okay, good. And and how was that uh, doing shows in, was it Edinburgh or where did you go to do shows at? Oh, I did the Glasgow Comedy Festival. See, I didn't know they had a comedy festival. So what, what's that so like? So fun. It was great. The Stand is an amazing club in Glasgow. It was just great. It was so fun. And it's nice to get like a free vacation out of it too. You and know? how long is the festival? Um, It was only like a week long. A I bunch see. of different venues. Um, and I went with three other Canadians. It was like a homecoming showcase. So they had a whole bunch of people from other countries around the world that were of Scottish descent. I see. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just so glad that... To go back to the last name as a callback to the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> Walk in Shaw. I'm it's glad, Scottish. I'm, I'm glad you're back. And um, I, I did hear every once in a while, like, you're doing really well in Toronto and things yeah. like that, you know. And, I was very uh, lucky. Everything was went really well for me. Um, so what's what you like next immediate one year plan here? Just finish plan. your plan. What makes you think I have a plan? I have plans through December and then we'll see <laughs> follow me on Twitter for details if anybody's still on Twitter <laughs> at walking sauce 
And and what's your, what's your blog? Uh, Walkinsauce.tumblr.com. Okay. Everything's walking sauce. Snapchat's walking sauce. Instagram's walking sauce. Just keep that little name. It's a nickname that Ben Glebe gave me a long time ago. It's a play on Walkinshaw. Walking sauce, because not only do I like to drink, but obviously, I love hot sauce. And I haven't seen Ben in like years. And then I know he's on my show on Wednesday at the Improv. Okay. When is this going to come out? Can Um, I plug that show? Are you ever going to release this? I'm going to release it. (laughs) I think it might be released after that show. I've been kind of releasing every two weeks, you know? Yeah. And then um, people have been complaining because I told them last. last Don Lickles wants to be on the podcast. Who? That's Don Lickles. That's the dog's name. And. And when, when you're planning Don to move Lickles. down here, I guess you've been friends with April Macy for a long time. I have known her forever. I've known Melissa McQueen forever. I know all these ah. people from... Hey, Don Lickles, don't be a creeper. Over here. He's getting a little feisty. He wants a treat. Oh, I shouldn't have said that word. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> back to the podcast. This is soon, soon as you... So when did you find out that you, you had a permission to come here? Like in, like, How did I get, oh, when did I get my papers? Yeah, just oh, in February. And oh, then. they came through last July. Oh, but you took... I took forever to get here, still. <laughs> That's the speed I work at, people. <laughs> Don't be scared. You'll pass me. If you're a comedian, you will lap me. <laughs> well, I, I, I hope you stay for a while. And, and, me uh, too. And, and if you decide to go to New York City, you're, you, you're a very strong act, so you'll be fine in New York Thank City, you. too. But yeah. you should just uh, enjoy the weather here. and. I will. I uh, I don't know. It just um, isn't isn't it funny with the comedians? Like you do shows at certain rooms. When the room disappears, the, the comedian that go with that particular room, you don't see them for a while. Yeah. And but when you see them, it's like no time really has passed between I those know. days. You know. And well, yeah, know. It, it seems no like no time it, has passed. But hopefully, there's some new jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right. Well, thank. Hey, stop it. <laughs> Don Lickles. over here. Don Lickles. Sorry. But th- thanks for uh, um, uh, doing the episode. And but do you have like a big show coming up? Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be in, in, in two oh. weeks. So in, anything beyond that? Well, I know for sure I'm going to be in the Seattle comedy competition the oh, first good. week of November. So that should be safe to plug. So if you're in or around the Seattle area, I mean, you want to come. And laugh authentically at me. Don't force it if you don't. You'll love it. it. Um, it's, it's a great f- festival, and I think I think a wrong guy named Ron Reed still runs it. And, oh. uh, and John Fox owned the whole John thing. John Fox, Peter Gray. Yeah, I think John Fox owns the one in Seattle and San well, Francisco. I've already self sabotaged the whole week because I have to drop a night to go to my high school reunion. So, <laughs> but I like that, right? Because then if I lose, I'd be like, oh, but I had to drop that night. So. You'll, do, you'll do fine. I mean, have you performed in Seattle area before? I have, and I love it. Only at the Underground and this other room, uh, the Comedy Room. And, uh, yeah. So this will be fun to try some different audiences out there. Plus, it's close to Vancouver, where I'm from. So it'll be nice. Um, wait, wait. So let me, before I finish, I do, I do want to... We're never uh, finishing. This is the podcast that no, no, never I'll, I'll, ends. I'll, it just I'll goes on it. and on and but on. You're, you're born and raised in Ottawa? No, Vancouver. I started comedy in Ottawa. Ottawa. Okay, Vancouver. I have a lot of cities of fresh starts. <laughs> what was what was it like? Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm from... I used to live in Seattle for a long time, so I used to oh, go Oh, you up, did? I used so to go up there. So people might actually listen to this, and then they'll be like, oh, I heard you on... Your I used podcast. to go up to um, Stanley Park and uh, do shows. I even I remember even seeing young 
Oh, um, Seth Rogen doing stand-up. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of my friends know Seth. I do not, sadly, but I yeah. didn't know him, but I remember, like, who's that not no kid? I just saw some kid doing it. Yeah. And when I met him tonight show, I didn't realize it was the same dude that years later, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, Who knows? Maybe I did do a show with him. So uh, what, what, what was it like in Vancouver when you started? I mean, well, was I started comedy in Ottawa, Ottawa when I was going to university. And it okay. was great. There was only one comedy club in the entire city. And there was no open mics. There was no rooms. So we were quite the little family. It was a tight-knit group. It was a very small clique. And going back and doing show in Vancouver, what was it like these days? I mean... The Vancouver comedy scene is great. I love it. There's a lot of rooms where you can pick up like 75, 50 bucks here or there. Yeah. So if you're doing one of the clubs and you want to fill your off nights, Vancouver's quite profitable, I think. It's great. Well, um, if, if, if you're from Vancouver <laughs> and if, if you live in Seattle, and I do have actually pretty nice number of less in Seattle because I'm from there. But All right. Go and check out Christina because she is fantastic. And, uh, <laughs> Thanks. I'm really happy that she's back and, and healthy. And uh, just give yourself, I mean, I think it's okay for you to, like, goof around for the last six months because, Isn't Jesus, you've been away for nine months. I definitely months, have been know? goofing around, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, write your script and finish your book, and uh, I can't wait to, to read it. So. All right, thanks. All right, guys, thanks for listening. And, Christina, welcome back. And I know you're going to find a lot of success here. People really like you here. Thanks. They really do. Thanks, America. All right, thanks, guys.